am so glad that you're here with an on purpose conversation. I'm so excited for our guest today. Um, I've been knowing her for some years, and this conversation is going to be great. Those of you who this is your first time joining us, on purpose conversation is what this is called. And it's really about having conversations with influential and intentional people whose stories inform us, encourage us, as well as uh, inspire us to live authentic lives and intentional lives through our purposes and our passion. And I am so excited about this conversation. I believe in a principle called educare. It's actually a word. Um, it's a Latin word that means to bring out. Uh, it's what my uh, coaching leaders, leaders image is about. It's about bringing out of people what's innately within them, helping them see the best in them. Let me bring our guest today. Uh, our guest is Amy Dolan, and I'm going to have her introduce herself. And <laughs> there you are. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is crazy. Well, we know that this is authentic, and this is totally us. That's <laughs> what it is. I mean, we got to stop striving for perfection at some point, right? It's life. We're just trying to live life out here. I'm happy. Um, to talk to you because that, as I shared with you, my wife thinks you're one of the most authentic people I know. <laughs> and I she met me through me and she's like, I love Amy. Amy oh is God. so authentically her. The so feeling I, is mutual and we're just going to yeah. send like love back and forth the whole time. <laughs> well, look, Amy, tell us who you are and um, just a little about yourself. Okay, great. I'm Amy. I am um, mid 40s now. Ooh, baby. <laughs> Not sure how that happened, but um, mid 40s. I know. I oh my that. gosh. But, um, you know, in uh, the pandemic, I discovered Sephora. And so I feel like I've got good skin now. So that's good. So I'm okay being 45 with good skin. Um, I live in Chicago. I live downtown Chicago with my husband, Kelly. Um, we've lived in the city for 10 years in our same neighborhood that we love so much. We're city people at heart. Yeah. Uh, Kelly and I just celebrated 20 years married this year, which is wild and 22 years together, which is just wow. unbelievable. Um, we're the proud parents of our seven-year-old pit bull, Maddox, who is the literal love of our life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we love him so much. And he is as, uh, we I call him my wonderful weirdo because he is just, he lives for like the goof and the entertainment. <laughs> and I love that he is like literally the star of the neighborhood and he brings joy and love to everyone. He's a pretty dog too. He's oh a pretty dog. Gosh. I mean- yeah. I don't know if that's a thing, if you can call a dog pretty, but he's a very pretty dog. You brought it up, EC. So now that you've said it, I will just go with, you're the host. I will go with your conversation. But we do, when we're on walks, we do get that comment often. So you're right. <laughs> um, it's a really cool story. My my late aunt was a really well-known vet in Chicago and we weren't really like animal people, me and Kelly. And before she passed, she told us that um, she felt like a pit bull would be 
what we needed in our family. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I don't know how she knew that or what she was. She, I mean, she, she's a animal whisperer, but um, yeah. after she passed, we went to the animal rescue and we saw him and it's just like, I feel like her energy like led us to each other. Mm. And um, it's pretty, it's been pretty, pretty wonderful. But anyway, enough about my dog. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know what your passion, <laughs> one of your passions at points is your dog. Oh my gosh. Um, I currently work in food equity and food policy in the city, which um, is my passion. I love food. I love feeding people. And I love contributing to uh, making food more accessible and equitable and affordable and as I'm sure you know, EC, in the city of Chicago, everything is complicated and difficult yeah, yeah, yeah. and layered. And yeah. so it's really challenging work a lot of times. But um, I just, I center my entire personal life and professional life around connecting people around tables of food. And yeah. so I just kind of live for like the family dinner, the dinners with Kelly, um, going out to eat, kind of all of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the that's the the name of your website, isn't it? Uh, Wider yes. tables. Yes. I love it. I love it. That is uh, amazing. I I I almost want to stay right there for a moment because yes, I was looking at please. some of your stuff online, and you have conversations with some major people around the city um, about food. Yes. Yes. So um, my podcast, Feeding People Podcast, the Feeding People Podcast, we talk about um, food and the way people feed each other and feed themselves. And um, it's just been amazing. We're launching our next season in January, which is I'm so excited. Oh, the guests already lined up. are so good. And it's just I think like I could talk about this stuff all day because I feel like even if you're not passionate about cooking, or you don't think about food all the time like I do. It's still, we all still have those moments of like, you can easily go back to a really great memory where you were around the table with someone and you were eating something and you had like a um, aha moment or a life-changing moment or a connective moment. And I just, to me, like food has the magic Um, some sort of magic ingredient that does that for us. Like, of course, we have connective moments with each other when we're doing all sorts of things. But for me, like, when you're intentionally sitting at a table, and you're all like, eye to eye, you're all eating the same food, I just there's something that happens that you either let your guard down, or you say um, things a little more courageously than maybe you normally would. And then someone across the table says, you know, me too. Same thing. And I I don't, it just, you know, we can all, I've had a million moments like that and I'm sure you have too. And Mm -hmm. I just want my life to be about like fostering more and more of that so that more people eat beautiful food and connect with each other. And we all, my, my whole vision is like when you get up from a magic table like that, when you push your chair back and you stand up, you're like a different, you're like a, like you were saying, like a better version of yourself because of what happened at that table. You push your chair back, you get up, you go back to your life and you just, you're standing taller, you're inspired and like, you can go be who you need to be because of what happened at that table. Yeah. It it seems, it seems to me that 
to that point, it seems to me that most tables, food tables are equalizers. (laughs) Everyone that sits there, um, you're all there for a meal. So that is the one thing that's going to equalize everyone at that, in that particular place. And not only this, an old pastor friend of mine uh, used to say, used to judge how, who you are and how involved and connected you are to people by, mm-hmm. he would say, whose feet are under your table, whose mm-hmm. knees are under your table. Wow. And to him, he said, that is what shows that there is some community and some equalization mm-hmm. between you and another. Some mutuality is when you have feet under your table. And he would always ask the question, whose feet are those? Because wow. if it's only yours, mm-hmm. only those who are like you, um, then you're missing out to to your point, you're missing out on the conversation, the life change, the 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 development, the uh exchange, the mm-hmm. cultural exchange that um sitting at a table does yes. for yes. over food. And and um there's a show that my wife and I watch. Um they're coming out with another season on Netflix that's all around it's high on the hog. And oh. it's all you watch that? Best show. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta and, keep like your Kleenex close by for that <laughs> exactly, show. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And what we were just talking about it last night and all the things that are uh, discovered and learned um, through food and through those conversations about food and the culture and the nature of life that comes over that. Um, we were just talking about that last night. It's, mm-hmm. it's so amazing. So, I, I, Amy, I mean, I think that is, and we'll we'll talk a little more about that as we end and just maybe you can uh, kind of give us some more on what's coming up for you and mm-hmm. any of those conversations you want to give us some insight on it. But let me ask you this. So, um, We've known each other for some years. Let me first by saying, how are things by you? <laughs> I hear I hear you say oh that a lot. Oh my gosh. Uh, Let's just I hear you say back. that a lot. Um, <laughs> um, back for this one. What, where, where, what is that? What's the origin of that? Oh, um, I don't know. How are things by you? <laughs> I, <Yeah. know. laughs> I, I hear you say that online a lot. So oh my gosh. I mean, I, I think like I, okay. So you see me say that on Instagram because Mm -hmm. I, the best part of Instagram to me are the connections with people like Mm -hmm. the D when the DMS are happening, it's my favorite thing. There's like, um, you know, like real life friends that I have now that I met only through Instagram. And so that's the best part. So I feel like I'm always, I'm like sharing how I am, but I'm always turning it back. Like, how are things by you? Like to just continue to like foster, like this is a conversation. I want to have like relationship with all of you. Um, But things are good today because the sun is shining and (laughs) (laughs) the sun shining, especially in the winter in Chicago for me is everything. Cause like too many gloomy days in a row is just terrible for my mental health. So today's a good day. The sun is shining. We're getting close to the holidays. How are things by you? Things by me are pretty good. I'm uh, you said that and it just made me think of, um, being in Chicago, back in Chicago, it, it's it's funny. We've uh, I've been back um, since 2019, 
my wife, now wife, she came back right before I did. And I kind of moved back really to date her. <laughs> and uh, I, it, yeah, well, I didn't tell you all the whole Oh, stuff. you know. <laughs> but I came back quietly. Um, and being back in Chicago, it's, it's, I, I love it. Um, I do miss Texas though. We both miss, miss Texas. She was I'm in sure. Dallas when I was in Austin. Um, but it's so funny you saying, um, the gloomy days and all the days here in Chicago, we were neighbors for such a long time and oh didn't gosh. like literally live across from each other for, um, right before we left, uh, downtown, uh, after we got married, it's like, we were out walking and it's like, wait, <laughs> um, we just moved to this area. How long have you been here? That was <laughs> literally we, my one of my the highlights of my year was running into you, catching up, and then being like, "Where do you live?" And you literally said my intersection, and I was like, "Wait, what? That's where I live." Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> where do you live? And then we saw each other. We run into each other all the time. And I'm not okay. So I'm not saying you did this intentionally, EC, but like you did move pretty recently <laughs> after finding out we were neighbors. Had nothing to do with it. <laughs> no. Um, so we're getting answers prepared. today on this show. We're getting <laughs> straight to the truth today. The truth. <laughs> and the truth is, we uh, we honestly we loved living there but the truth is we did not like our neighbors yes. not you guys because you guys were across <laughs> the street but right next to us um when we moved there um we could only it after those months there it's like back in september we were like hey we we gotta go we we just can't this is not it this is not the move for us <laughs> um yes. because they um, I could just say that um, my neighbors were, um, party is not the word, they were uh, manic partiers. Wow. <laughs> they, it would go from silence to um, just a melee almost. And, and wow. it, they, were, they were so loud and not, when I say loud, I mean, uh, obnoxiously loud for hours. Yeah, you and can't live like that. No, no, no. We it it started at maybe eleven thirty at night, and oh it would go to like four in the morning, five in the morning. Like really, seriously. Ooh. And um, it we hated so much. We wanted. We loved the area. We were all supposed to have dinner, and I mean. Um, <laughs> Um, we saw Kelly in in the store, and we were about we we saw him in um, in Mariano's, and we were like, "Yeah, so we're almost out of here." <laughs> because we we really um, we loved the area. We just could not handle that building. Um, yeah. But shout out to Oak Park where we are now and, and we love it, you know. I'm so um, glad you're happy. And like where yeah. you live is everything. So if yeah, yeah. you do not like your where you oh, are, you gotta oh, go. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, are you intentional about your space? Like your like your house, your people, the people around you. Are you intentional about that? So intentional. And this is something new for me though. I feel like maybe in the last year, especially. Um, so I'm like, you know, I said about gathering people and tables and I'm like mm -hmm. the extrovert of the extroverts. And so I used to just have like an open door policy. Like you could just 
if you want to come to dinner tonight, come to dinner tonight. There was, there was like no filter <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like, um, some of the work I've done in therapy this year has been about noticing and protecting my energy. And what I've noticed is that it takes a lot of work to have good energy in my body. And so mm-hmm. I think about all that work that I've done to have that good energy. And then I become super protective and nurturing of it. And one way that I do that is by being really, really protective of who now comes into our home and our space, because you can't just have like no filter and people coming and going all day because people will bring bad energy in with them and then leave. And now that energy is in my sacred home, my sacred space, and will be in my sacred body. And so, um, it's, it's been hard to do this year because I've never really lived like that. My parents are very like open, like I was just raised that way. Like anybody who needs a meal or come over, come over. And Mm -hmm. I love that. Like, I love that, but my good energy is too important for me. Kelly works hard on his good energy. And so, um, we're constantly saying to each other when we're thinking about like, Hey, should we invite them over for dinner? We're saying to ourselves, like, will that, will they bring good energy into our home? Great. Let's do it. Or, you know, we can't, we need their good energy, but this week is not going to work out because of whatever, you know? So yes, so intentional, but that's new for me, you know, and it's, it's Mm -hmm. hard to, but you learn, you learn like, the same people don't always have good energy. The same people don't always have bad energy. So you it's, it's experimenting, but I'm very, very cautious of like who and what comes into our space in order that we can keep it as good in here as possible. Do you, do you, for you, is it a struggle because of how you were raised or be because, because we met each other in ministry and not just like, a small church. We both were working for these mega churches, like 25 plus thousand members. Um, So do you find that as a struggle to like pull back and not want to be on stage and not have a lot of people around you and and go and all of that? Is that a struggle for you? I mean, yes, for sure. When I first left ministry, you know, I left that mega church, my mega church that I grew up in, that I worked in forever. Mm -hmm. Um, I left there in 2016 and that, yeah, I mean, coming, I I started, I started working at that mega church my junior year of college. And so like, um, to transition from that life, not only like professionally, but also like mentally, emotionally, Mm -hmm. relationally, I mean, I feel like that's most of the work I've been doing since 2016 because it's so deep in my body. So yes, of course, like that's really hard. But, um, you know, I've had an amazing, I actually met my therapist when I was in 2016, when I was leaving the church and I, she specializes in life transitions. Mm. And I said to her, like, I don't know how to live like on the other side. I want the other side, but I don't know how to live the other side. I've never known Mm. anything else. And she's 
helped me do. I mean, I don't know where I would be with, I saw her yesterday, you know? And so, um, yes, she has walked me through how to have a life. I'm often saying to, she'll, you know, tell me to do something and I'll say like, okay, so like for a normal person, (laughs) what would that look like? (laughs) Especially Sunday. I want to hear this from you. You see, like, especially Sunday mornings. I think, um, we've talked about this before. Like Mm -hmm. it has taken me a very long time to re just uh, so many things on Sunday. Like I, I just still feel stressed and anxious on Sundays. I tried for a long time to have Sunday fun day because that's what I heard everybody saying. And I never knew what is what does Sunday fun day mean? What a, I say to my therapist, like, I'm sorry, what do people do on Sundays? Like, break it down for me. <laughs> I yeah. do not know. And she'd be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, brunch, sleep in, yeah. go to the movie. I'm like that sounds amazing, but it's, <laughs> I have not known anything. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's a process and I have to be careful with my, I have to be kind to myself and saying like literally my entire life until 2016 was the, you know, rat yeah. race of Sundays. And yeah. so it's going to take an equal yeah. amount of time to undo that yeah. and reset. Right. But what well, about you? Well, <laughs> Great question. Uh, <laughs> what What's funny is that what was coming to my mind is like what deconstruction is. You hear this new terminology going yeah. across even the Christian world of deconstructing Christianity or westernized at least Christianity. Um, and I, I think for me is that that's exactly what I've been doing. Uh, it's funny you ask that because I just said to my wife on this past Sunday, we were on our way to church um, and it was a challenge because I grew up in church. Mm-hmm. I've, I've played instrument in church all my life since the age of seven. Yes. I um, was the, what I guess what you would call the prize child in church, you know, the, yeah. the Bible sword drills and all of that. I would always find the scripture and yes. uh, I did speeches, um, eventually started preaching. I, I led choirs and all of that for years. And I'm 53 now. Mm-hmm. And um, I was saying to my wife on Sunday, we were both trying to, so we mm-hmm. took this month where we, uh, I pulled back. I've been serving at her, her dad's a pastor and I've been mm-hmm. serving at his, his church um, over the last probably two years and teaching and playing instruments and all of that. And I told them I'm taking the month off. I just mm-hmm. need this month. My, my wife and I, we have obligations we need to have. And so we've been visiting, but mm-hmm. this Sunday was a struggle for me and we were trying to go, but we just could not, get it together. And I said to her, yeah, I remember walking to like the mirror in, in our hallway uh, by the door. And I was like, you know, we're really trying to struggle and do this because, and I said, for me, it's become such a tradition mm-hmm. that when you don't, when you don't have a plan, like you're not doing anything, she grew mm-hmm. up as a PK. So she always had to go. Me, yes. I, 
I, I used to I, I've said my mother had a drug drug ministry because mm -hmm. every time the doors of the church was open, she drugged me to church. And so, <laughs> so now as an adult and not being in in like full time ministry, serving at her dad's church is quasi volunteer, and it's not like I'm on staff every day of the week. So it's hard when you're not doing anything. And I remember you saying to my wife, my wife uh -huh. talking and, and saying uh -huh. like, Do, like, is this a thing? People can really like stay home on Sundays. And so we ended up, we were, we drove around, we were going to go to church where I wanted to go, which was the church I grew up into, uh, grew up in. I texted a friend and said, what time do they start? And they told me, and we were leaving and it's like a 40 minute drive to get out there. And she looked at the gas tank and she said, Hey, it's, you have like 48 miles left in the tank. I was like, Oh, I got to get gas. I was like, well, looks like there's no church. And then the question was, well, what do we do? Yeah. She's used to it. I, I'm not, I'm purposely, but you know, um, she, she's done that. She's been there. She's done that, that she has a t-shirt. She's like, I don't have to do church ever again, but I don't want to put her business out there. I let her speak for herself. Maybe I'll have her on one day and we'll talk about it. But oh my um, gosh, for me, it was kind of like, well, what do we do? And we ended up going to brunch and um, we had some amazing vegan. Um, and we'll talk a little about that because, you know, I'm vegan. So speaking of food. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and well, she is, too. And we went to like a vegan Mexican restaurant and we sat and ate fully dressed, enjoyed it, went to the grocery store and came home. And we felt like, wow, we still accomplished community. We still walked away. It didn't, I don't know where during any of that time we lost what we believed about God. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I don't think we, I don't think we lost anything of what we believed about our marriage and who we are as individuals. So, you know, I think the the struggle is sometime thinking what other people would think about us. Yes. Because right. we don't do that anymore. Or we don't do it yes. like they do it. And and it's it's kind of uh, this attachment to perform it's performative Christianity. Yes. And, you know, you see, like the church I grew up in and worked in and pastored in is a predominantly white evangelical megachurch. And I was part of the thinking that was like, you know, Sunday morning church attendance is like a measure of your faith. And so yeah. Yeah. if, you know, I, I, really like bought into the mindset and judged honestly, like the people who didn't go to church on Sunday yeah. morning. Right. And like mm -hmm. helped to um, keep that like toxic theology going as a pastor. And so some of like the being okay with not going to church on Sunday morning for us is like having to undo some of that own, like, I don't exactly what you're saying. Like I, feel so happy and faith-filled and myself and connected to Kelly when we're, you know, 
enjoying a delicious brunch and going on a walk and just being slow even on Sunday. Like our bodies don't know how to even be slow on Sunday mornings. And yeah. I, we always look at each other and we're like, do, do people know they have this option? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I didn't know this was an option to feel like this on Sunday. And, you know, um, if anything, I mean, for me anyway, in this moment in my life, like this feels more Sabbath than like mm. the rush and panic and stress for us in like working in a church. This feels way more like slow, enjoyable, like um, not productive. Mm. And that's those aren't really gears we know most of the week. And so to really like be in that gear on Sunday morning feels hard, but like very Sabbath-esque. And it's nice. You, you, you're, you're hitting so many things. I, I'm, if, if I can be a little transparent here, there's a certain amount of nervousness coming over me now. And yeah. unease, not because the conversation scares me, but it, it digs in a place that um, is... It's touchy because mm -hmm. your people, and it's it, it it and the truth is it's all around people. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we just what you just said we we have sat in those seats and have looked yes. at people on Sundays and throughout the week, and it's it's a judgment seat. It's yes. a seat of you should know better. Uh, it's not even let me help you get better. It's yeah. a, you should know better. Yeah. And I think now what I think, even as we're talking about it, what I feel is this, this for years, I was trained this way for years. I thought this way for years. Yeah. And even now um, there are conversations that I hear um, as though if they are, the all that all that ends all, you know, the yeah. all the be all that ends all. This is what you do. It's who you are. And when you're not that, when you're not, what what are you doing with your life? What are you doing right. with your life? Um, it, it, so let me let me ask you this. Um, has there ever been a point in your life that you wanted to do something else? And is that now what you're doing? Like, yes. How did, all, how did ministry begin for you? And was there something before that, that you were like, oh, this is really where I want to be? Yeah. Oh, what a great question. Um, I always wanted to be a teacher. I loved kids. I wanted to educate. I thought I would be like an elementary school teacher. And then I went to Bible college and they were like, you know, you can teach children in the church. And I was like, say what? <laughs> and get paid? <laughs> like just teach kids the Bible, not math. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got it. Okay. This was like new to me. I grew up, so my mom is Jewish and my dad was Catholic. And so I grew up with both traditions. And then um, we didn't move to the evangelical mega church until high, when I was in high school. Okay. So I have a lot of like faith traditions in me. And um, I didn't really know children's ministry was a profession 
per se mm. that you could get paid for. And so I changed my major in college and became a children's ministry major and then started working um, in curriculum specifically at my church. And then like the minute I graduated, they hired me full time to write curriculum and teach children. And so I did that for a long time. Um, curriculum, teaching, became a family pastor here in the city at the same church. And, you know, you see, listen. (laughs) (laughs) Be real, be real. (laughs) (laughs) When you work in the church that long, I mean, you really don't even need to work. Sorry, you really don't even need to work in the church that long. But when Mm -hmm. you work in the church that as long as we have, you see a lot of things. Yeah. And um, like you see you see the real bad like behind the stage, behind the scenes that like I always say people would be shocked about, but like it's it's kind of all like I feel like there's like a little bit of a church reckoning happening right now. So you're kind of you are seeing it. Mm-hmm. But um the behavior I would see, the way people would treat each other, the way leaders would treat each other, the it it just was so it it, it was yeah, it it was it was bad. And really the breaking point for me was when I was a family pastor and I witnessed firsthand um, my best friends ex- who were, you know, also part of the church experienced racism, experienced homophobia. And it was just like, I, it, that was just the, the break. I mean, I had seen that in all sorts of ways for as long as I'd been in the church, but when it was like my best friends firsthand, it was just like, I, I was like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Because um, if I continue to be a leader in this context, I will be forwarding, like I will be advancing those things. And I like, I couldn't live with myself like that. I don't want to be a person who is working hard and advancing racism. (laughs) Like that's not who I want to be. I don't want to be a person who's advancing homophobia. Like we just, no, I, I want my life to be built in a way where I like am able to contribute against those things. And so that was the breaking point for me. I was like, I can't be part of this like anymore. And, um, actually like left that. And at the same time, a group of us were having regular Sunday dinners together. Mm-hmm. And we formalized that into what we call Sunday supper church, where we started meeting uh, about 30 of us regularly for Sunday dinners and like faith connection around tables. And we did that for five years. And it was just like the most wonderful, beautiful thing I'd ever been a part of. But in doing Sunday supper church, I started to build relationships with local farmers here in the city and in Illinois, um, local food pantry leaders, because we were centering what we were doing around food. We were always trying to get more food to the community in order to feed more people. And it was in kind of doing, um, building those relationships with other people who were doing great food work in the city that I was like, that is just a hundred percent where my heart was. And you know, it's, it's crazy, but you'll understand this. I do yoga most mornings. And one morning I stood up to do my tree pose and literally God said to me, your journey as a pastor is complete. 
Mm. And I had this visual of like a circle that I had like, oh, I still get chills saying it. Um, <laughs> it's like I had this visual of a circle that I had started at a young age. I had done all sorts of things and even like created this dinner church and I was complete. And I just, oh, it was so clear and vivid. And I just felt God saying, I'm so proud of you. You did such mm. good work. But like this journey is complete. Mm. and you know, when it's that clear, you just yeah, have yeah, yeah. no choice but to be like, okay. So kind of like transitioning then into the food equity space with the relationships that I had built felt very like natural. And um, yeah, it. I mean, it's really, it, this feels like my second career. It feels like the second part of my life. And it's been very challenging also, like, to start a new, I I've only known one career and one thing, and that's where yeah. all of my connections are, all my networking, all my expertise, my confidence, and to just kind of leave that behind and say enough is enough and start something new in your forties is really, really hard. <laughs> it's really hard, but without, yeah. without that piece, without that piece of God being so clear, like I yeah. have never, people ask me all the time, like, do you miss it? Do you want to go back? I'm like, course I miss things about it but like I have no regrets because God was so kind and tender and generous and clear with me that I'm like I I don't how would I even go back how yeah. how do you like complete a circle and then start again like I don't I don't yeah, know how you do that right yeah you know it, it's funny you say that so two questions kind of came up to my mind and I was actually thinking about this Early this morning, as I was thinking about us um, going to have this conversation, um, people need encouragement when it comes to starting over. Um, and so I'm going to kind of combine these questions together into one. But to kind of set it up, you know, I, I was thinking about when people like yourself, like myself, who have accomplished a lot, uh, I, I remember... And I was thinking about this. This is what made me come to this point to ask you this question. I remember earlier on, um, so I, I was in ministry even prior to working at the mega church I worked at for several years and I worked with children. And I remember earlier on in becoming the children's pastor. And I asked someone once, um, very, very poignant person uh, who was, I respected a lot. I asked them, what happens when you have a fear of success? Sort of this, mm -hmm. um, what's the syndrome called? Uh, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I asked them, you know, about, it's, it's kind of the rat race. And when you see your projection and where you're going, how do you handle that? How do you mm -hmm. handle success and all of that? And their response to me was, in front of everyone, was who said you were successful? Mm -hmm. And it hurt. And it pushed me down, kind of bringing in some of what you talked about when you start seeing behind the scenes and you start seeing stuff. Um, and you kind of get to that point that you said where enough is enough. But there are people who get to that enough is enough. And then they, to your point earlier, they struggle into make that turn. And so the question is, when you when you feel that life now is taking you on a, a pathway or a new pathway um, to purpose, how, how do you stay intentional 
in your opinion, this may not be one of the questions I forwarded you, but how do you how do you stay intentional about following that new pathway? You you kind of refer to it a little about yeah, wanting to go back and all of that, but how do you stay intentional about a new pathway? Um, and and even seeing that with because you're a visionary person. Um, uh, you, I, I saw you say something about your Enneagram of being a seven, uh, yeah. and I want you to talk a little about that, but how do you be intentional about that? I mean, it's so hard. It just like the daily living, just living life daily is so hard. And so mm -hmm. to stay intentional, especially with your career when it's changing, but you've got reality of rent and food and family, and it's just like, it's really hard. And I mean, honestly, like this year, I've had a million thoughts about, you know, not going back, but like, am I doing the right things? Because, you know, I don't know, like I was taught, you know, God's, there's just such a weird mix of like capitalism and career success, career success mixed in mm -hmm. with our mm -hmm. faith traditions. And so, mm -hmm. you know, my brain tells me like, well, if you're doing what God wants you to do, if you're living intentionally in your career, then you'll have promotions and you'll get more money and you'll have advancements and you'll get lots of job interviews. And so like when that's not happening, like mm -hmm. has happened a million times for me this year, Mm -hmm. I'm like, my first thought, of course, is like, am I on the wrong track? Is God punishing me? Should I go back? And it's just like, exactly. no, that is not that is not the God I know and believe in this universe. And we have to like the best we can un like detangle capitalism from our faith because, you know, that's actually, actually what Jesus says are like, blessed are the poor, blessed yeah, yeah. are those who are hungry. And so like, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, does like more money, more job success actually mean like you're in trouble? Like that's a warning sign with God. Mm. So it's, it's hard. Like it's hard to navigate. It's hard to figure it out. I just keep coming when I'm confused or lost or can't make sense of what's happening. Like, wait, I'm being intentional, but the opportunities aren't matching. Mm. I just have to keep coming back to myself however I can. Right. Like, who yeah. am I? What do I love? You got to ask like one or two people you who know you. Kelly yeah, yeah, yeah. and my, you know, Kelly calls himself um, the Amy historian, right? <laughs> Which means like I, I forget who I am or just I'm trying mm -hmm. to be Amy yep. every day and I forget mm -hmm. who I am. And he mm -hmm. says, wait, I know Amy 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and she is this. And so that is who you are now. You right. can come back to that. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. That's who I am, right? Yeah, that centers you. And and so because the church tells you that pastoring and all of that is like, you you should retire or die in the position. Yes, God doesn't right. change any of that. You know, right. you're once a pastor, you're always a pastor. But the, the question is, do, you, do I have to pastor from the stage? Do I have to pastor in a building or like yourself, maybe it's over. Right. And the things that you get from that makes you kind of move on. So speaking of those passions and the pastor and all of that, I see a lot of posts of you um, doing fashion stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> where, where did that motivation come from? 
Oh my gosh. This I this conversation has got it all and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, we're 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 um we're we got a good 15 minutes, almost 20 minutes. It. So uh, there's, there's a little more. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. That's a, that's a preview. Um, I mean, I don't know. I've always loved fashion. I love style. I feel like it's my creative expression of myself and it's fun. And um, it just, I, it, I love, I love to think about my clothes. I love to think about my style. I love to present myself in a certain way. And, um, you know, I used to be like fast fashion, quantity, 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 quantity kind of girl in fashion. And I think some of that was like, I noticed, you know, before we would do our big, you know, workshops at the conferences and stuff, I would be nervous, of course, and I would go to the mall and get a new outfit, get a new fast fashion outfit. And somehow that would like make me feel better. Like, okay, you're going to be okay tomorrow because you got, you know, and then I would just accumulate, 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 accumulate. And um, one day I realized like, this is just too, like I, my closet is just overflowing. It's filled with like garbage clothes. And, and I just literally like donated everything, sold everything, emptied it out. And I like slowly rebuilt my closet very minimally with pieces I loved and that made me feel good. And I mean, most of my clothes I've had for like years and, my closet now is like my pride and joy. And yeah, yeah. I asked Kelly actually um, took the doors off of it for me so I could just see it every day when I walk by. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me so happy. And yeah, I just, you know, I kind of stopped caring about dressing for other people. And I just wear what makes me feel good and what I want to wear that day. And I hope that, you know, I post those um, videos on Instagram just in the hopes that people do that for themselves. I want yeah, people yeah. to wear clothes that feel good for themselves and that, you know, helps them express themselves. And um, I've had a few opportunities to style friends and family this year. And it's just been so fun. Like it's just, it's, it, I mean, it's honestly like a form of pastoring because it's about bringing out the best in, in what is in somebody, which I think is what the best pastors do. They're like, who are you? What is in you? And how can I call that forward? Edukare. And yeah. 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 Word, it means to draw right. out of one what is innately within them. Right. Exactly. So what about you, EC? I want to oh hear about God. your fashion. Tell me about your fashion. Cause this sweater is really nice. I what well, I told G, I told my wife that this was I wore this specifically for you. Oh, <laughs> um, because of the color, because you're fashion forward, and so uh, I, I, um, uh, it's Banana Republic. Um, Love it. <laughs> um, but it, it's funny you asked that when in, in high school actually, um, I was best dressed. You know, they had those things that that you like going to be the best or the next mm -hmm. da, 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 all of that. Mine was best dress. Uh, I wore, I actually wore suits in high school. Um, I feel like you would show up to some of the children's ministry conferences in suits yeah. and like really nice jackets and people be like, you know, the children's ministry people, no offense, but you know, yeah. Well, like you that. Know 
I, it, what's funny is uh, I was that way intentionally for several reasons. Number one, uh, I was black, a black man. And sometimes mm-hmm. we, we have to actually was, mm-hmm. I am a black man. <laughs> we have to sometime overthink uh, in presentation. Uh, my, mm-hmm. And it goes back to what I was going to say when I was younger, my, my birth mother, um, uh, so I was raised by my great aunt and great uncle, but my birth mother, we went shopping and I, it was 12, uh, I was 12, it was seventh grade. She took me to this outlet in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, and when we got out to the car, we left, uh, I remember specifically, we bought some socks, some Argyle socks. This is back when Polo, uh, Ralph mm-hmm. Lauren, uh, mm-hmm. Lauren Polos and, um, the jeans were, I can't remember Sasson or something like that, but um, penny loafers and all that. We bought penny loafers. We bought a uh, Ralph Lauren uh, polo shirt and we bought these Argyle socks and we got to the car. We left out of uh, crew, J crew. And back then like J crew was just a dream. <laughs> oh, 100%. Um, yes. And we got to the, her, the back of her car, she let up the trunk. And as we were putting the stuff in the trunk, she stopped and intentionally looked at me. She took the socks out. She took the shoes out. She took the shirt out and laid them on the back. And she said, this is how a young man dress oh, when they wow. want to go places. Mm, wow. Said, this is how a young man dress when they want to present a certain thing and, uh, it, and present in a certain way. And she said, you as a black young man have to be intentional when you walk into spaces. And sometimes mm-hmm. that means the way you dress. You cannot dress with like everybody else and mm-hmm. you can't blend in if you're going to make a difference. Just mm-hmm. like you make a difference in what you say and how you show mm-hmm. up. But she says in how you present yourself because they see you before they hear you. And I wow. was like, Wow. Mm. And so she showed everything to me and she said, this is how I want you to dress from now on. Mm. You are dressing to not just impress, but to show up well. Mm. And so from seventh grade on, I started mm. reading the GQ magazine. Wow. 13 years old. And to this day, I, I still look at it. It's changed a lot. But um, I, I remember being talked about in high school. This one girl said um, to someone else who came back and told me, it's like, EC never matches. He wears all of these like uh, suits and pants and stuff, but it never matches. And what she meant was I didn't dress like all the other kids. Mm. I, didn't wear the, I remember when Gucci shirts was, I tried to wear a Gucci sweater, sweatshirt that I bought from the flea market. <laughs> it uh-huh. Yes. Um, but I, I tried to do all of the fashion stuff and it just wasn't me. Mm-hmm. So I went back to like, I would wear these slacks, <laughs> these uh, sometimes herringbone and checkered looking slacks mm-hmm. to my wife the other day about herringbone. And she was like, who, who, who says that? Who, who says herringbone? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but I, I had on these hair. I remember wearing these herringbone slacks once and this shirt that was totally different pattern and all that. But that's what the fashion was. Um, You know, the secret to a lot of American fashion was England and London fashion. Mm -hmm. And they're like two to three years ahead of us. And so 
you all always knew what was going to come yes, out yes, yes. based upon what they were wearing. So I would wear it. I would find the clothing in my dad's closet. I wore a lot of his stuff. Uh, I In eighth grade, I remember um, my favorite class was home ec because I learned how to sew and I learned how to make my own stuff. So oh I my gosh. This, stuff. this is a lot of stuff. This conversation isn't supposed to be about me. I mean, are you thinking what I'm thinking that we need to have a fashion show? Like, oh, is we this... Not a fashion show, like a runway show, but like a fashion podcast. Make, what, are we, hey. what are we doing? <laughs> so I, I had always said that I was going to be a, a friend of mine, Melanie, uh, back then in high school. Her name was Melanie Brown. Uh, we grew up together from seventh grade all the way through. And Melanie always said she was going to do advertising. And I said, I'm going to do marketing. And we're, we're going to have a clothing brand called Cornelius Brown. It was my middle name, yes. and her last name. Um, and she went on into um, into advertising. I went into marketing in, in college, but never really finished the fashion thing. But I, I wanted a, a fashion line called Cornelius Brown. Oh my gosh. That's you need a to do something. this, you see. Come on. <laughs> Maybe we could do that. That, you know, you're digging in the crates, girls. <laughs> but that was. <laughs> Secretly, that is my thing. I, I I love dressing and all that. So this isn't about me. It's okay, about but me. like at least like start. Can you just start posting your outfits on Instagram or something? Uh, you know, I I maybe I'll do that. I'll do okay. That. All right, um, all right. Or I'll start an Instagram that's um uh, on the side of maybe fashion. I, I don't oh know what gosh. I'll call it. Uh, I did start something that I wanted to do when, when I was a kid, speaking of fashion or whatever. So I started growing a beard and I started, I've always wanted a perfume line. My aunt, who was an entrepreneur, um, she had a perfume line and I started a beard line. So I, I really don't talk about it. I showed oh it in, my, in the last song. It, it's called The Essence of E. <laughs> I have this sitting oh, right here. Oh my um, gosh. Will it, will it? Uh, there it is. It That's does. amazing. So it's called the Essence of E. It's beard oil and beard um, balm. And actually, I'm using it. I've used it for, it, it's vegan. One um, version of it is vegan. The other is vegetarian. Um, but all the, the ingredients are natural. And I started using it about a month and a half, two months ago as a test or prior to me testing out and my beard start growing as well as the one thing it's not doing, it's not breaking off now um, because wow. it's all about ingredients. So wow. fashion and um, um, what do you call that? Um, I won't say cosmetology, sort of, it, it kind of runs in my family. Yeah. My, my, my aunt was a model and all of that. Both of two of my aunts were. So, wow, this is a lot Let's about get me. this going, you see. Yeah, Let's well, maybe we get can do this it. going. Just <laughs> test it on the Instagram. <laughs> And let's see how it goes. I mean, that's the thing. You're saying you, you're going to have a separate account. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But like, mm -hmm. for me, what I've found is like having one account where I show all the different sides of me is mm -hmm. I think what often leads to the authenticity, people feeling like I'm authentic because it's just, that's who we all are. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. My Instagram was all about pastoring and faith. And then I like transitioned more to food. And then this year I was really nervous about like posting more about fashion and like what would people, and it's just like, I'm a, whole I'm a whole person here. Like I have a lot, like I'm sure everyone will be just fine if they see an outfit and then a dinner and then a thing about my day, like, you know, and if not, 
fine also, but like you got to show all the sides, you know? And you cook too, speaking of all the sides. Uh, so my wife is always <laughs> looking at your meals, almost showing me uh, what you're cooking and all of that. Uh, what like what's your your go to? Oh, I mean, Monday nights, I love making salmon and vegetable. I love vegetables so much. That's my go to. Um, I love making breakfast. Um, yeah, just like simple, comforting. Um, Kelly's a vegan and I'm not a vegan, but I love veg vegetable forward things. And so a lot of nights I'm, you know, eating, we're eating the same meal. I'm not going to make like, or I'm just going to make like a tweak on it, which is really fun. So like, um, the other night I did like sort of a bangers and mash situation, but it was like mashed potatoes. And then like, I did his like vegan Italian sausage. I did my chicken sausage and then some peas. And it was like, we had the same meal, but like he had his vegan sausage. I had my chicken sausage. And that's really how I like to cook because I love, so I watch a lot as we go to things, we go to parties, we go to events and Kelly can literally eat nothing. I don't know if y'all experience this too. He has a, he has a really severe dairy allergy also. And so like he can't like a lot of times there's just cheese and everything or dairy and things, but then there's not like most things have meat also. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I've just watched over the years as like, we're all excited. We go to a party and then he has like, three pieces of lettuce with no dressing. And I was just like really over that. And so I've centered a lot of my cooking around like, how can we all be having the same meal? Because mm -hmm. that's what's connective. Like it shouldn't be like, you know, if my brother and sister-in-law come over for dinner and the three of us are eating this like delicious, you know, sauce, uh, lasagna. And I'm mm -hmm. like, Kelly, I made you, you know, like a PB and J you know, it's like, you kind of are going to lose the magic of the table. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So I always start with that. I'm like, if, is it possible to have one meal that we can all eat together? All yeah, 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 because yeah. you know what? Like people, I don't know if you found this, like if it's still, if it's delicious, like people don't care if it's vegan, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like lasagna is lasagna. And so That's if you're like, true. we're having lasagna, oh, by the way, there's no like, ground meat or cheese in it or like uh, dairy cheese in it, but it's delicious. It yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we, we have, I, I'm going to take us probably over about five, five. Are you, are you good? Yeah. Okay. Cause we reached the hour mark. Let, let me, let me kind of end with this and then we got five things, uh, a rapid round, you know, that Ooh. was coming. <laughs> and so, okay. um, but before we end, uh, let, let me ask you, and I want to kind of take you back into something I, I started, I asked you about in your gram, because you were, as you were talking about uh, the food and, and all of that, it made me think of who you are as a person. Um, uh, so intentionality, we talked a little about that. When, when it comes to who you are as a, but let's say you're encouraging someone, um, you during this holiday, that's what made me think about it. During this holiday, I saw you post something, speaking of food and cooking and all that, you posted something called low key. You 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 even a while back or a week or two ago, you you posted something about your therapist saying 
that you needed to, how did you, you had like three steps or yeah, something. Yeah. You yeah. explain a little about yeah. that. It was, it was encourage, I, I'm just going to read what I saw. It's, you posted something about uh, fighting seasonal depression. Yeah. And what you and Kelly came up with to yeah. help that. Can you kind of talk a little about that? Yes. So happy to. 2023 has been the worst year of mm. probably our lives. We have just had a lot of a lot of very difficult things happen this year and we have been fighting for our mental health and our optimism and our hope like we have never fought before and we are like in that we have found like such deep partnership and connection with each other, which has been amazing. Mm -hmm. But um, as we were going, well, I always suffer seasonal depression, like the worst in January, February, March, after the excitement of the holidays comes down. And so every year my therapist is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, why do you have to ask me this every year? <laughs> so annoying because she's so right about everything. Yeah. And um, this year she was like, you have like, I, I am suffering from depression right now from the events of this year. And so mm -hmm. She recently was like, and we are going into January. Like, how are you? And I was like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And she said, you have to be proactive. You cannot wait until you are feeling the lowest of the low in the middle of January. You have to be proactive. So we've been figuring out ways that I can be proactive. And yesterday she had the audacity to say, could you imagine if this January was your best January ever? And I was like, okay, calm down. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I actually was like, what if, what if my like really fighting this like depression and seasonal depression this year, like very proactively instead of waiting until I was down did give me my best January yet. So I am, I found a local indoor pool because I'm trying to like, um, simulate summer for myself because summer is my happy time. Heat sunshine is what makes me happy. And so I found a local indoor pool. I've been going there as much as I can, just so I can feel like the heat and the steam. And like when my body is in the pool, it makes me think it's summer. And that's been really, really nice. Yeah. Um, I've been um, going to the Garfield Park Conservatory for the same reason so that it's I'm like hot and yeah. it's, um, you know, I can see flowers and plants and greenery, which makes me feel like it's summer. And yeah. then I really like to eat locally. I really like to eat seasonally. But this year I'm trying to just like do some eat some like um, summer berries and um, like summer tomatoes, um, just get them from the grocery store to like simulate, you know, like the joy of the most delicious blueberries in the middle of the summer. Like, oh, look at you have a blueberry in December. Isn't that nice? <laughs> you know, so they all, all these things like sound really silly as I'm saying them out loud, but like, that's what we have to do. I think yeah, that's yeah. what I have to do to fight. Like, depression is so overcoming and so it's such a weight. And so, um, whatever energy I have to fight it, I'm going to fight it. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. I I'm sitting in that in, in, for a minute because it sounds like on what you're doing to fight depression, 
and doing to move forward uh, new year 2024 is you're putting making your surrounding we we kind of talked about that earlier you're kind of bringing things from other places whether that's mm-hmm. the summer or mm-hmm. something that um rings and and speaks to you bring that to where you are um and it goes back to the you know we talked about you know being intentional about our spaces how do you think as are, are you a uh how do you think people should prepare for like a new year? Are you a, mm. uh, a um, theme person? Are you a resolution person? Are you a, um, what is the other goal? What, what are mm-hmm. you? I mean, to, to borrow a famous line, you know, from someone, you know, well, just girl be you, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I wonder, <laughs> you know, just girl be you because, I mean, listen, whatever is going to get you to January 1st and beyond, do that. January Mm -hmm. is so hard. And so like sometimes resolutions, I got no energy for that. Sometimes goals, I got no energy for that. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a word, you know, you just got to do what is right for you. And if that means, you know, like, um, you know, the nap bishop and the nap ministry, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, I love her so much. You know, talks about that a lot. She's like, listen, we have to follow nature. Everything hibernates and shuts down in winter. And then there's us who's like, January is like my new (laughs) best. And she's like, are y'all crazy? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No. And so, I mean, like, sometimes I'm just like, if I successfully hibernated or made things quieter in January or just a little softer. Mm-hmm. I would be going with the energy and the flow of nature and the natural world. And like, maybe that would be a great goal because that would be really hard to do, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm just trying to make it to January and I'm trying to like, I want to be like, I want to feel better. I want to be optimistic. I want to be more me yeah. in January. And so we'll see whatever, however mm-hmm. I can do that. Right. And yeah, that's what people yeah. should do. Like just yeah. do what's right for you. Do what's right for you. That that's good. We're going to get to our rapid questions. Let me ask you. This isn't part of your rapid questions. What are you reading? What are you? What are you oh, reading? what am I not reading? It's been a good reading <laughs> year. I am literally like thirty pages away from finishing my Angelou's. Um, I know why the cage bird sings. Wow, <sighs> that's on the band list. You know that, right? I I hope so because that has been a band kind of reading year for me. And then I always got to have a book on the docket because I get panicky. Like if I don't have a book to go to. And so last week, actually at the thrift store, I picked up this book called forked. That's about the kind of like messed up restaurant. Have you read it? No, no. I saw that. It's like the messed up like restaurant culture industry. And so I'm really excited to get to that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Rapid questions. And um, so you you, you kind of know what the first one is. I, uh, hopefully you know that. But it's five questions. You answer them. Uh, it's usually five Fs. Um, oh, um, let's go. All the Fs. <laughs> let's do all the all Fs. The F. <laughs> <laughs> I got all the Fs to give today. I, <laughs> <See>? <laughs> you give an F, huh? 
I got him. Okay. Got him all. <laughs> all right. Here, here's your first one. Favorite scripture. Okay. Favorite scripture. Genesis 126. Mm. All people made in God's image to reflect mm. God's divinity and spirit is just like every part of my essence and being and, you know, on the on the on the days you need to I need to come back to myself I'm like I reflect the divine I'm made to bear the image of the divine and even like my purpose in life is to see that in others and that's how I want to live I love that I love it uh favorite family activity oh um eating I love our dinners together are the best and then um Kelly and I we walk Maddox at night you know we used to see you that was nice Yeah, yeah, yeah. But walking, like doing walks together at night all together is the best. I love that. I thought you were going to say that. All right. Speaking <laughs> of that, your next question, rapid. Would you rather walk two miles up a mountain or run a half a mile in a desert? Neither. <laughs> That's what I knew you were going to say. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> um, can I uh, watch a Bulls game instead? Is there you option? go. There you go. Best <laughs> advice a friend has ever given you. Oh no. Um, whew, that's a good one. Um, I mean, honestly, like one time my friend, I was really hemming and hawing on something and she was just like, just do it, like do it tomorrow. And I was like, tomorrow. And I did it. I did it tomorrow, what she told me to do and what I was hemming. And it, it kind of changed everything for me. I love Just it. Just got to do it sometimes. Got to do it. If you were given 10,000 cash for your home, what would you buy? Oh, um, I would probably redo some parts of the kitchen. And then, um, I mean, how could I say more clothes after I said I got rid of all my clothes? <laughs> that, that's so as we draw to close, what do you have coming up? What's what's on your agenda coming up? I think you talked about it earlier, but I want to circle back to it and, and what's coming up for you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so we are um, launching our next season of the Feeding People podcast in January. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. three amazing guests lined up. I'm so excited. Um, so you can go to, yeah, wettertables.com. You can go to all the episodes that we've done in the past are there. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to do more of that. Um, and then um, I'm doing consult. I'm doing food consulting, event consulting. And so if you need any type of um, nonprofit leadership consulting, or you want to think intentionally about your next gathering, the way that you put, you know, people together for meaningful conversations, things like that. um, I got a lot of um, consulting work like that coming up in the new year. So Nice, nice. Yeah. How can uh, can people reach you if you want them to reach you? <laughs> I ask Please reach me. Reach How me. Reach you. Reach me. Do you want them to reach you? <laughs> yes, yes. And always on Instagram too. Um, okay. underscore a Dolan. That's where it's you know. That's where underscore it's all happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love it. Well, um, Amy, this has been like one of the best conversations uh, I've had, and this is only Aww. the second. So, <laughs> that's why it's been one of the better. Oh 
my gosh. I, was, I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming. That was so good. That was so good. Um, but you know, no, honestly, um, I, I'm really excited um, to have uh, had this conversation with you. We've been friends for years and you have always been and always um, continue to be a uh, one of those people who are authentically you. Yeah, like mm -hmm. when you show up, Amy, what I see about you is that you are going to brighten a space, mm -hmm. wherever that is, you're going to laugh, you're going to make people laugh. <laughs> um, and you're going to find a way if, if they don't laugh, like if you're the only one laughing, you're going to find a way to in, in, in uh, include people. And I Aww. noticed that uh, it, I noticed that about you over the years, in um, like the conferences that I was a part and even in just being in the room or in the environment or watching what you've done uh, wow. over the years, you you're so inclusive. Um, that's why uh, wider tables really fits mm. who you are. Mm. It's, um, being inclusive, um, you're well read, well um, educated, but also well into people. You you mm. love people, and, and that's why I wanted to have you here. Um, I thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything that you want to kind of say to anyone that you think hasn't been said or you want to say? I mean, thank you for all that, EC. That means so much to me. And right back at you, because um, I'm so happy that you're back in Chicago. I'm so happy to know you and your wife at this stage. I feel like your both of your positive energy in mine and Kelly's life is like just what we need. So I'm so happy to be in friendship with you and so happy you're doing this. So let's keep it going and let's have, yes. I can't wait to hear all the other conversations. I mean, yeah, we'll see how yeah. good, we'll see if that's good, but let's see. <laughs> the next one is online. I, I do have one that's coming up um, after yours that uh, we've already secured. Um, someone you might know as well. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, but this one has been not only uh, enlightening, I've learned some things about, <laughs> about you, but I, I've also um, walked away with understanding, you know, the, the value of being intentional about your mm -hmm. space, and understanding the value about in being intentional those around you, who you let in your space, who do you have at your table? And then being you, being so, not just to take the words from someone we know, um, yes. but uh, honestly, not worrying about others, the change uh, in careers and, and definitely uh, deciding that, hey, uh, my next is the best. <laughs> Whatever that yes, next is, yes. is going to be the best and, and locking in. So I thank you for leaving us with those great um, principles of life. And I'm so glad that everyone else, you all joined Amy and I as we talked and had an on-purpose conversation here. Uh, look forward to talking to the rest of you uh, the next time. And remember, you can be the best you when you serve uh, others and become the best. Uh, and again, I never have this all taken out. This is kind of always off the top of my dome, <laughs> but uh, you can be the best you at, at really uh, as you look to serve others and, and to give yourself, but also take care of yourself and become the best you. Um, thank you again for watching. And Amy, uh, thank you again for being a part of an on purpose conversation. See you next time.